as a church, if you've ever looked at our sign, we have, we have, our, uh, we have a purpose, plan, and process, but on our sign, it basically says, proclaiming Christ, training believers. And that's really what our purpose all boils down to, is to make disciples, and that involves two different things, evangelism and training. And so evangelism is proclaiming Christ, and training is equipping and training believers. So that's our, that's our purpose as our church. And so when you think about it, the evangelism part is sharing our faith, and people get so confused, and sometimes there's so many different things that people want to say that you have to do or have to know. And we teach people all the time. If you, just, if you know John 3.16, which almost everybody knows, you can share your faith and you can share it clearly. When you think about the message, there's the message, the response, and the offer. When you think about the gospel. The message is that Jesus died and rose again. We tell people Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. That is the message. The response we want is for people to believe in Christ, faith alone and Christ alone, but that we want them to believe in Christ for something, and that is what he has offered to us, and that is eternal life. So we want people to believe in Christ for eternal life. How does he give us eternal life? Because he's the one who died and rose again, and we believe in him for eternal life. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his son to die and rise again, that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. And so that's the message. And we see that wherever Paul would go, he would always present that Jesus died and rose again, giving that aspect of the message. And so when we think about that, as we see Paul on his missionary journeys, he proclaims the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, in this, in this little short time, we're going to look at two things. We're going to see Paul's commission and the first missionary journey. And I think we'll go fairly quickly through it. I want you to see this. I'm picking out certain things. Listen, you can't go, if we go through the whole life of Paul uh, in every detail, it'll take us like three, four years. So what we're going to do, we're hitting just some high points of the life of Paul. That's what this study is all about. And so we're going to see his commission starting this morning, what his commission, and then his first missionary journey. So if you're in Acts chapter 13, I want you to think about Paul's commission. Notice Acts 13 verse 1. Now, they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, and they named one Barnabas and Simeon and Niger and Lucius Mahan, and then, and then it says, and Saul. Now, that Saul is Paul. He hadn't changed his name yet, and when I say changed his name, sometimes we're not sure whether his name was Saul Paul or whether he added Paul later. Many Jewish guys, men, had two names, and his name that he is known by up until this point is Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul means ask. He's probably named after the first king of Israel. His name, other name is Paul, which means little. It means little. And so whether, whether he had two names from the beginning or later on, on this mission, right in the middle of this missionary journey, he changes his name. Or it says Saul, who is also named as Paul or whatever. And we're going to see that. So this is the guy. And so verse 2 says, while they were ministering to the Lord, what they'd been there for over a year and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, now the Holy Spirit said, and we don't know how he said it, but the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so we're going to see Paul's commission. They were ministering, they were serving. The Holy Spirit said, set them apart and what they'd been ministering and serving and teaching and all that. And now the Holy Spirit says, set them apart for this something special for these two men. Notice how he says it, for the work that I have called them to do. Now we're going to see what I call the second phase of Paul's life. 
The very first phase of Paul's life is he becomes a believer. People don't believe, you don't believe he's a believer. He has to kind of prove himself. He proclaims the message, argues with people, goes off, comes, and is a teacher for at least a year. And now God says, I got something different for you. I want you to be a church planner. A church planner is a person who's an evangelist. He's going to go to different places, lead people to Christ, form together a local body, even appoint leaders to that body, and then go somewhere else. That's what the, being a church planner is. That's what a true evangelist is. You know, we've, we've got now what we call an evangelist, a guy who'll just go to a city and have a crusade and leave and go somewhere else. But in the Bible, an evangelist was one who would go places, lead people to Christ, form a body, and then maybe even stay there for a while and equip and train them, get them ready, and then leave and go somewhere else. Now, here's what I want you to, I, This is kind of a, not a trick, but a way to remember something. Paul had three missionary journeys and then a, a trip to Rome in which he went there to stand before Caesar. You can use the, the journeys and the trip to help you memorize or remember the letters that Paul wrote. You know, we wrote 13 letters. I want to show you something. On his first missionary journey, he wrote one letter to the Galatians. On his second missionary journey, he wrote two letters, First and Second Thessalonians. On his third missionary journey, he wrote three letters, First and Second Corinthians. They left off for some reason. Romans is left off there. I don't know why. There's three letters, First and Second Corinthians and Romans. And then on his fourth, that's what I call the fourth, the trip to Rome, he wrote four letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So if you in your mind can say on his first missionary journey, he wrote one letter, Galatians. On his second missionary journey, he wrote two letters, First and Second Thessalonians. On his third missionary journey, he wrote three letters, First and Second Corinthians and Romans. And on his trip to Rome, basically when he got to Rome, while he was in prison in Rome, which would have been that fourth trip, so to speak, he wrote four letters. It's just a way to help memorize and remember. Now, that's not all Paul's letters. He wrote three more after he got out. We'll talk more about that. So let's, let's talk about Paul's first missionary journey. I want you to see it. And I want to give you an idea of where he went. Now, Paul is in, I don't think, is, is this working? There it is. It's not, very, it's not very good, is it? Well, shoot. Okay, do y'all see Antioch up there? There's Syria, and then there's Seleucia, and then there's Antioch. That's, Antioch is where the church is that they spent the last year, and, and there it is. And so they get, they lit on a boat, and they go down to Cyprus. They get on the island. They go across the island. We're going to see what Paul does on this island. Then they leave the island, and they go up to a place called Pamphylia, and there's cities there. And then they leave right there, and they go up to another place called Antioch. Got the same name, different, two different places. And this is where they start this ministry. They lead people to Christ. They get run out of town. They go to Iconium. They get run out of town. They go to Lystra. They get run out of town. They go to Derby, And then they go back through and come all the way back home. That's the first missionary journey. And we'll see it this morning. And we'll see what happens. And we're just going to hit the high parts because we can't go to a lot of details. So in Acts 13 verse 4, it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit... They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So that's where they're going to go. If you look at verse 4, those sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and they sailed to Cyprus. They've gone to this island to share the message. And as you, as you read, being on the island, I put this up for you. At this time, Paul changes from Saul 
to Paul. Now, let me tell you what happens. So they get on the island, and they start telling people about Jesus, and people begin believing. And there's a man by the name of Bar-Jesus, which actually means son of Jesus, and he's evil. He is a a devil-type man. He's an evil man, and when the message of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, the proconsul, the man who is in charge of the whole island, says, I want to hear about this Jesus. And as Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, are on the way, this man tries to stop them, and Paul says, you evil man, is trying to stop the message of God, you will be blinded for a season. And right then, the guy couldn't see. And the proconsul saw it, he heard Paul's message, and he believed what happened. In fact, Acts 13, verse 12 says, when the proconsul believed, when he saw what had happened, being amazed, what? Being amazed at the what? The teaching of the Lord is an amazing thing. So then, if you remember, they were there for a little bit, and then it says this. Paul left the island to go what we call Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. Paul and his companions set out for sea from Palpos, came to Perga and Pamphylia, but John left and returned to Jerusalem. What? What? There was a guy named John Mark with him. Have you ever heard of John Mark? Anybody ever heard of John Mark? How about the Gospel of Mark? That's John Mark. That's the guy that was with them. And when they left the island, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. When they left the island to go up here, John says, I think I'm going to go back here. And he left them. We don't know why. We don't know what was going on. We don't know if he got sick. We don't know if he didn't want to do it. We don't know anything about it. All it says is he left. And so they go, and they go to this place, and then they go to Antioch. They get to this city. And uh, so when they get to Antioch, they go to a synagogue. And listen, in those day and times, I want you to understand, a synagogue, you you would walk into a synagogue, and there was a place where they kept the scrolls. Be like a place right here where you could talk. The scrolls were back there. Men sat out here. Women sat behind an area. If there were women at all, they were sat behind an area. Sometimes there was a man whose job was to read Scripture. He would come up. He would unroll the scroll. They had certain reading places they read every Sabbath day. He would read. And sometimes if there were visitors, if there, they might even say to them, would you like to speak? Well, Paul, go, Paul and Barnabas go to this synagogue and while they're there, the leader of the synagogue says, would you like to speak? Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think? Would Paul like to speak? He does. And so Paul gives a brief history of the nation of Israel, and he tells of Jesus and his death and resurrection. He talked about how Israel left Egypt, came looking for the Messiah, and then Jesus came who was the Messiah, and he died and rose again. In fact, look at this right here. And he's saying, and they found no grains for, grounds for putting him to death. That's Jesus. He says, they killed Jesus. They asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they carried everything that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. But what happened, what's the next thing Paul says? God raised him from the dead. So Paul proclaims the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what happened in that synagogue? A lot of people believed. There was great response. It says, uh, and Paul and Barnabas, as they were going out, the people said, please come back and tell us these things and come back the next Sabbath. Now, you know Paul is not going to be silent for a whole week. He's going to be talking to people all week long. But the plan is to come back the next Sabbath day and proclaim more. And they said, we're going to get more and more people to come because you've done, and we've never really put this together. And 
when it came time for the next Sabbath, people were coming from all over, and some of the Jews went and said bad things about Paul, and they said you know, things that were terrible, and they said, oh, no, you can't listen to these people. It actually says the Jews incited a riot with the devout women and prominent people and the leading men of the city, and they instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out. So instead of Paul and Barnabas getting to come back a next Saturday, next Sabbath day, and proclaim the message, they got run out of town. So what did they do? The, the verse 51 says they shook the dust off their feet in protest and continued and went on to Iconium. So that's what they did. They basically said, okay, you don't want to hear it? We're going on to another city. And they went to Iconium. And Iconium, if you look right here, they left Antioch, and they go down to this city. And you think, okay, what's going to happen there? Well, they go to Iconium, and the people believed, but a number, the city was divided, and some people tried to hurt Paul and Barnabas, so they ran them out of town. And they left, and they went to Lystra. Look, a number, a great number believed, but the city was divided, and they tried to harm Paul and Barnabas. Listen, this has been real fun on this mission trip, hasn't it? I mean, you go to the city... First of all, you, go across, you, have to, you have to blind some evil man to keep him from stopping the gospel, and you get there, and then you go to another place, and when you get there, people go, wow, like, wow, we love this message. And then before you can give it again, they run you out of town. So you go to another city, and people believe, and you go, wow, and they run you out of town again. And so then they go to Lystra, and if you notice that Lystra is right there, and so they go to this town. Now, this is what's so wild. And there was a man at Lystra, who, was, who had no strength in his feet. He was lame from his mother's womb, and he had never walked. And so they saw him, and Paul says, I'm, you're healed in the name of Jesus, and the guy can walk. And everybody sees it, and the people in Lystra say, oh my, they must be gods who've come down from heaven to be with us. And they thought Paul was like the messenger God, and Barnabas was Zeus. And, and so they, began, they were going to offer a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas was like, whoa, 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 because they couldn't understand their language at first. And then they realized what they were going to do. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're people. We're people just like we're proclaiming Jesus, the, the Messiah, the Savior, and all this. And so they stopped them from offering a sacrifice, and you would think everything would be good. And so the next day, suddenly people came from those other cities, Jews, and they got Paul, who one day earlier they thought he was a god. That day they come and they grab him and they drag him out of the city and they stone him to death. They stone him to death. And uh, let me see if I've got the slide. Yeah, the next day Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they stoned Paul. Now we don't know exactly if he died or not. It says they drug him out of the city as dead and left him there. Now, whether he died or not, we don't know. I actually think that, I think he died, and I think that his spirit went to heaven. I think if you'll find in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about a man who was taken up into the third heavens. He's talking about himself, and he said, I was taken up into the third heavens, and I saw things that are beyond what I could even describe. I think this is when it happened. Now, be honest with you, nobody knows, so I'm just speculating. And you know what you can do with speculation is just put it over where speculation goes. Just say, that's the end of that. We don't have to worry about it. But it could be that this is when this happened. We just don't know. So they stoned Paul, and then look what happened. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. You can see Paul going, wow, 
whew, that hurt. You know what? That was really tough. And it did. You know, Paul writes, and he said, I was stoned a number of times. I was in shipwrecks. I was beaten by rods. I was whipped. I mean, he talks about his life, and he had so many terrible things happen to him as he proclaimed the message. So when somebody says, do you want to go on a mission trip? You say, uh, Stillwater Bible mission trip or Paul mission trip? Uh, I'm not going on a Paul mission trip, right? I mean, think about it. It was not like we think. People, I've had people say, oh, mission trips are so fun. You get there and they feed you and you have a great time and help them build a church or do something. You know, when you share your faith. Yeah, it's fun. It is. It's great. But this wasn't fun. This was taking the message of Jesus Christ to people who had not heard, who had not understood it. Jewish people, he goes to the synagogue first. He goes to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He always goes in there and he tells them the truth that they know about a Messiah coming and he says, Jesus is the Messiah. And it's amazing how many people believe and it's amazing how many people do not believe and run them out. And it happens over and over. And so they stone Paul and the next day he gets up and they decide they're going to go back through the cities uh, where they had been. And, and here's what they did, which was amazing. They ministered, and they went back to, through the city and then the other cities, and it says, And when they appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they believed. Now, you know what they did? They went back to those churches, the one in Antioch, the one in Iconium, the one in Lystra. They went on to Derby. They went to another little place called Derby. They went to all these towns. They led people to Christ. Even though they got run out of town in every one of them, they came back through those towns and they found leading men, the, the men who were the mature ones, the ones who were the, the, probably the older men who had believed in Christ, and they appointed them as, as leaders. They, they appointed elders in every church. Listen, churches have to have leadership. We have elders and deacons in our church. We fit the biblical pattern. That's what Bible talks about what elders do. Bible talks about what deacons do. We have that, what Paul did. And some people could say this, and let's be honest. Some people could say, well, yeah, but an elder's got to be a mature believer. These people, what, had just what? Trusted Christ. They're not mature believers. No, they're not. Somebody got to lead. When you start a local church and nobody's ever heard before, you've got to take some of the older, mature men, and they've got to take leadership, and this is what happens. And Paul appoints them. They had appointed elders for them in every church. They said, you've got to lead this church because we're leaving. We've got to go back. We're le- in fact, if we stay here very long, they'll run us out of town again. In fact, they'll try to kill us again. And so Paul and Barnabas leave. And so from this point on, on the island of Patmos, uh, you know, on that island, uh, excuse me, that island of Patmos in Crete, that's where Paul went from Saul to Paul, and from the rest of the time, rest of everything you ever read, he's known as Paul or Paul the Apostle. And so what happened when they got through with the mission trip? Well, look at the very end of Acts 14. It says, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they go back home, they go back to Antioch. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them. And now he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. And so uh, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all these things that God had done and, and opened the door. And so it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing time. Now, I want to stop for just a second and you think, if you have a Bible in your mind, Acts 13 and 14 is Paul's first missionary journey. And he went to what is modern-day Turkey. 
And it went to Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby, those cities leading people to Christ, forming churches, coming back, coming back. And what did they do when they got back? They went to their home church and reported what had happened. And they gave, it says, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began reporting all the things that God had done with them, how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, this is amazing because the Gentiles are believing. Paul was already told by God that I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. You will turn them from darkness to light, from Satan to God. You will open their eyes to the truth. And so even though Paul would go to the Jew, remember he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He always went to the Jew first, even though he is the apostle to the Gentiles, because his stepping stone, the way to reach a community was most communities had a synagogue. Most communities had some Jewish people, so he would go to them first, and then usually they would reject, or some would believe, but most would reject, and then he would go to the Gentiles. Now, how many letters did Paul write after his first missionary journey? Come on. One. Yeah, okay. How many did he write after his second missionary journey? Two. How about after his third journey? Three. How about after his fourth and trip to Rome? Four. Okay, so you got it. See, this is good. Okay, well, what letter did he write when he came back from this mission journey? Galatians. And he, the region that he went in, that map that we show you where there's Antioch and Iconium and Derby and Lystra and all those towns, that's called Galatia. It's a province. It's a part of the world. It's modern-day Turkey. Okay? So Paul writes a letter to them. And let me tell you something. We, we got a few minutes. Okay, why did Paul write a letter to them? Well, after Paul got back, we're going to see next week Acts chapter 15, which may be one of the most important chapters in the New Testament as far as what is the grace message of salvation. What is the message? Because we see an issue arises. Now, Paul got back home, and then word came to him that after he left those churches in Galatia, that somebody had come in and told them that Paul had not given them the complete message, that it was more than just faith in Christ. In fact, you had to keep the Mosaic law. And some things were actually taught that you had to believe and, and, and keep the law in order to be saved. And some people said, no, you, you believe, but you have to keep the law for the Christian life. And people got confused. And there were people saying, what exactly is the gospel? And people were saying things like, well, the gospel is believe and be baptized, uh, believe and be circumcised. And so they got all confused. And word came to Paul. And so Paul wrote them a letter. And it's called the Galatian letter. It's, not, it's one of his few letters that was not written to a particular church. It was written to the region where there were six or seven churches that that had this message. But if you remember the, the book of Galatians, Paul writes, and he says this. He says, I marvel that you are already turned away from the gospel message to another gospel, which is not really the gospel. He says, I'm amazed that you you heard the message of salvation, faith alone, Christ alone, eternal life, not works, not the law, but faith alone, and already you turned away from it. And then he says this, I'll say this, if anybody preaches a gospel 
different than I proclaim to you, they ought to go to hell. He says, let them be accursed. That means go to hell. And he says, I'll say it again. If anybody gives any other gospel other than the one I've given you, let them be accursed. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think it's important that we're clear on the gospel? Do you think we ought to be right? Do you think it doesn't matter if it's clear or not? It doesn't matter if we just tell people, I'll repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Paul said, it is the most important message in the world. That Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And we better stand strong, because that is the message. And Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he said, I'm amazed. You already turned away. But you know what? I'm not amazed. Paul was amazed because he thought that they understood it and that they had believed it, and they had, and that they understood what it was, and then something come along, they'd say, that's not right, but they didn't. And you look at the church. Do you realize by the first, Paul, Paul died in the 60s, John died in 95, he was the last of the apostles, and the last book of the Bible was written in 95, the book of Revelation. After he died, you get on over into what we call the church fathers in the 100, 120, 130, 140 years. Guess what? There were people who were church fathers who wrote that you had to be baptized to be saved. Within 50 years after John's Gospels and the book of Revelation, that already changed in the message. You know why? Because when you tell people it's faith alone in Christ alone, it sounds what? Too easy. Uh, You've got to do something. You've got to at least turn away from your sins. You've got to at least want to turn away from your sins. You've got to at least give your life to God. You've got to at least say to him, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. I'll be glad to serve you. You've got to at least do something like that, don't you? Let me tell you something. You don't have anything to offer him. You're dead and trespasses and sins. We don't have anything to offer him. It's called grace because we don't deserve it. It's not something that he looked down and said, you're trying so hard. You're not even trying hard. There's not, there's all we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. You were not even looking for God. He came for you. And so when you think about the grace message of salvation, the natural thing of any human being is you got to do something to get it. That's why it always gets changed. The grace message from the Bible is we don't do anything. It's by grace we're saved through faith. So Paul wrote in, that, in the book of Galatians, it's got a lot of great stuff, but he wrote two different aspects. One, that salvation was completely by faith, and it's a number of times, but one of the famous verses is Galatians 2.16, and he says, Nevertheless, knowing a person is not declared righteous, justified by the works of the law. What were they saying? He had to keep the law. He says, you're not justified by the works of the law, but through what? Faith in Jesus Christ. He says, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified how? By faith in Christ and not how? By the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, nobody could ever be justified. Listen. I hear people's messages all the time, and they're so confusing, and you can't tell whether a person is saying... Give your life to Christ, repent of your sins, get baptized, do something, be willing to do something. Look, salvation is grace through faith. It's not works of the law, it's not works at all. In fact, it is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should ever boast. So Paul wrote them, and he said, I'm amazed you moved away from the message already. 
And listen, salvation is not being justified by the law. It is being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So don't ever forget it and stand for it. Stand for the truth. Most of you have heard confusing messages all your life. And you ought to say, it's time, and I'm sick of it. And I'm going to stand for what is right. I'm going to go back to the Bible. If I use no other verse than John 3.16, that's plenty. There's 98 verses in the Gospel of John that talk about salvation by faith. 98. You only have to have one, and that's John 3.16. And you already know that one. The second thing that he wrote about is because they said, not only are you saved by keeping the law, the whole Christian life is by keeping the law. And here's what he wrote. He said, you live the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit, not by the law. He says, but I say you have to walk by the Spirit. You'll not carry out the lusts of the flesh. I mean, the flesh is there, right? We've been seeing it in the life of David. Is it in your life? Is the flesh there? It's pulling me all the time. And so he says, I walk by the Spirit. You'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. See, for the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they're in opposition to one another in order that to keep you from doing what you really want. What you really want is to live for God, but you've got the flesh. And Paul says, you can't win by law. law. What does law cause you to do? Say it. It causes you to sin. You understand that? I, if I give you five rules and say you have to keep those five rules, naturally you say, I'm not going to do those. Because your flesh is contrary to the Word of God. And law always causes you to sin. In fact, one of the purposes of the law is to recognize that you can't keep it and you're a sinner. The Christian life is never lived by law. It's never lived by legalism. I've, I've watched my life, especially in Mississippi, so many churches believe something like you're saved by faith, but the Christian life is all the rules. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, don't play cards, don't go to movies. Girls can't wear these kind of clothes. Guys can't do this, can't swim together, can't do this, can't do this on a Sunday. And they have rule after rule after rule because they think the Christian life is a set of don'ts. It is a set of dues. It is live in the power of the Holy Spirit, obey the Scripture, and walk worthy of the call in which you've been called. You are not under a legalistic system. Paul says you walk by the Spirit and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Law, if you put yourself under law, it will make you sin. Read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Read that. Read the other things Paul talks about, especially in Galatians, and you'll see that. And it amazes me that throughout the history, so many people have a confused gospel and a confused way to live the Christian life. No wonder many Christians are so discouraged because when you say, I got to keep these rules and you can't keep them, you say, I just can't do it and I'm not going to do it. That's what happens. Oh, I better hurry. Okay, I, got, I just got off on that. But okay, by the way, okay, application. We, may we encourage to be sharing our faith? Now think about it. Paul went out the world sharing our faith, but you've got to be clear. We have to be clear on the message. Be really clear. Second, have an understanding of Paul's missionary journeys, where he went, what he did. There's the map. Just remember this one. He, I don't think it. There we go. Whoops. Oh, shoot. Okay, there we go. He left Antioch. They went on the island of Cyprus. They led that guy to Christ. They got up here. John left. They went on further up to Antioch, got there, ran out of town, went to Iconium, got ran out of town, went down to Lystra, got stoned, ran out of town, went to Derby, then came back through, and then came back through to the church. And this is where we stopped. 
So Paul has completed a journey, led people to Christ, suffered great persecution already. In fact, they left him good as dead. He may have been dead. Who knows? And God raised him. Let's realize there'll be opposition to the good news message. There always will be. And you'll have opposition from two places. One, you'll have opposition from unbelievers who say they don't believe God, they don't believe this, and they don't believe it could be that easy. And then you'll have opposition from fellow Christians who tell you that you've got a wrong message, that you're not requiring things of people to be saved. When salvation is a gift, you don't require them to do things. Now, as a believer... What do we say? Walk worthy of your calling. Live it out. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh.